Today's scripture reading is from Luke chapter 22, verses 7 through 20. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. And say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired, desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, This cup's the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This is the word of the Lord. Back in the mid-1990s, there was a commercial on television that began with a narrator reading some words that were on the screen, and the words said, What did your kids have for dinner last night? And then they showed a montage of children supposedly answering that question. One girl said, we had chicken and something else. Another boy said, I think we had burgers. Yeah, burgers and some other stuff. One one girl said, wait, I don't know. It was some kind of noodly stuff. None, None of the children could recall what it was that their hardworking parents had prepared for them to eat the night before. Then, on the commercial, they showed what would happen if only you would serve your family the product they were advertising. One child after another smiled real big, looked at the camera, and said, we had stovetop stuffing for dinner last night. I remember we had stovetop. One boy said, yes, we had stovetop stuffing and something else. And the point of the commercial was, If you would just serve your family the right food, they would have a meal they could remember. Now, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if stuffing really has that kind of effect on children. Does it, kids? Do you like stuffing? I I guess it's all right. What's stuffing? It's It's like mushy croutons in a pile, all right? It is easy to forget sometimes what we've eaten, right? I mean, what did you eat two days ago, three days ago? What did you have for lunch on Wednesday? I don't remember. I mean, often we'll have a meal and we completely forget, right? There's one meal, however, one meal that was prepared, served, eaten 2,000 years ago. And to this day, millions and millions and millions of people all over the world remember it with joy. It's, it's the meal that 
Roger just read to us about, a meal that, that Jesus and his disciples shared together during the Passover celebration in ancient Jerusalem. And uh, when, when churches gather around what we call the Lord's table, what do we do? We remember that meal. You could say we reenact that meal. Some would say through the Holy Spirit's presence, there's a sense in which we ourselves participate in that same meal. Now, different church traditions use different words to describe our involvement in this meal. Some churches, they call it communion because we're thinking about the communion, the union, the oneness that we have with Christ, the oneness that we have with each other. Some traditions will call it the Eucharist, which is from the Greek word for thank you because it is, it is the great feast of thanksgiving. In some churches, we call it the Lord's table or the Lord's supper because this table doesn't belong to the church. It doesn't belong to the pastor. No, the host who serves this meal is the Lord, Jesus himself. It's, it's his supper, but whatever you call it, for followers of Christ all over the world for centuries, this has been the most important meal, the most important meal we're ever served. Now, why, why is that? Two, two reasons. First is this. The Lord's Supper is important because this meal points back. It points back to what God has done. It, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Right? So when we take communion, we, we are remembering, aren't we? We're, we're looking back. And this idea of looking back is, is right in line with, uh, with the celebration of the Passover. That's what, that's what Jewish families do at Passover. They, they, they look back. They remember the night that God delivered the people of Israel from their slavery in Egypt. Do you know that story? You can, you can read about it in Exodus chapter 12. The Hebrew people, God's people, they had been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. They cried out to God in their distress, and God sent his servant Moses to confront the king of Egypt, to tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. Uh, Pharaoh was cruel. He was hard-hearted. He refused to release the people from their bondage. So finally, after, after none of the many plagues that God sent, after none of them softened his heart at all, finally God told Moses to instruct the people on one given night to slaughter a lamb, one lamb for every family, and to spread the blood of that lamb on the doorposts of their homes before they had a meal and ate that lamb together. Doesn't that sound strange? Putting the blood on the posts of, of their doors. And that night, when the judgment of God moved across the land of Egypt, um, the killing the firstborn sons in every family. When the judgment of God moved across Egypt, the Hebrew families, all of them, were spared. Their little boys were spared. Their families were spared that grief. And listen, if you understand this, the story, they were spared, not because they were more righteous than the Egyptians, not because they, they never sinned in any way. No, listen, they were spared because symbolically, that lamb that was slain, that lamb, took God's judgment in their place. That's what God said to Moses. Exodus 20, verse 13. God said this, the blood will be a sign 
The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, God said, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So that, that night, the people of Israel, they were set free, right? Because symbolically, that lamb took God's judgment in their place. Now, when Jesus said to his disciples in verse 20, when he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. The, uh, the, the Greek word that's translated for here was a little preposition that had a huge range of meanings, and it, it could mean on behalf of, or in the place of, or instead of. So when he said that my, my blood is poured out for you, he, he was saying, I am going to suffer on behalf of you. I'm going to suffer instead of you. I'm going to suffer in place of you. That's, that's what he was telling us. And, and listen, this is so important for us. So the, Bible, the Bible tells us very clearly something that I think we all instinctively know. The, the, the Bible tells us that we have all sinned, no exceptions. We've sinned against God in many ways. We've all been selfish, right? We've all been unkind, haven't we? We've all been unloving. We've, we've, we've all been unbelieving. We've all, we've all sinned. And the Bible tells us starkly that because of our sin, we all deserve God's judgment. All right, but listen, just as the judgment of God passed over the Israelites because that lamb had been slain in their, pla in their place, right? Listen, we too, we who trust in Jesus, we are spared God's judgment. Why? Because Jesus took our place, didn't he? On the cross. First, first Peter 3.18 says, Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Same Greek word, for. The righteous in the place of the unrighteous to bring you to God. So, believer in Christ, you know what that means? For you, do, you mind if, do you mind if I just kind of tease out some of the implications of this? Let me, let me tell you what this means. If you have placed your trust in Christ, have you done that? By the way, if you haven't done that, you can start doing that today. Today would be a really great day to start trusting Christ for salvation. If you've placed your trust in Christ, listen, here's what has happened for you, all right? God has forgiven all your sins, all of them, past, present, and future. The full balance of, of your moral debt before God has been entirely paid by Jesus Christ. It, it, it says that in Colossians 2. It says, God has canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. I think that's good news. Do you? So here's some more good news. Christian, 2 Corinthians 5 says that you have been reconciled to God. That means there's nothing creating distance between you and God anymore. In fact, in that chapter it says, the old you is gone. You are a new creation now. The, the Bible also says, in addition to that, Christian, God has adopted you into his family. 
God, God views you as his daughter, his son. You're part of his family now. In fact, 1 John chapter 3 says, you are a child of God. Romans chapter 8 gives even better news. It says this. It says, believer, there is now therefore no condemnation for you. None. Not, not even a drop. No condemnation means God doesn't have any any criticism for you at all. He looks upon you and smiles. It, it says in that chapter that God himself, believer, God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you, right? It, it says in that same chapter that you, believer, you are a co-heir with Christ of God's kingdom. The kingdom of God will be given to you. In fact, there's a certain sense in which it, it already has. E eternal life, eternal life, believer, has already been given to you. John chapter 5 says that the, the moment you trusted in Christ, you have already, you've already crossed over from death to life. That already happened. So listen, when we celebrate this meal, take communion, we, we observe the Lord's Supper, we're just looking, we're looking back and we're remembering that through Christ, all of this, all of this has already been done. There's no wonder in some traditions they like to call this the Eucharist, the, the great feast of thanksgiving, right? Uh, this, is, this meal is a celebration. It's a time to rejoice. This is, a, this is a time to look back and just thank God for everything he's done. The Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 5, he wrote this. He said, Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the feast. It almost sounds like he's saying, therefore, let's party, right? Let's, let's celebrate. Let's, let's rejoice in this. So why is this an important meal? First, because this looks back to what God has done. Secondly, because it, it looks ahead, points ahead to what God will do. Did you notice there are, there are two places in this passage where, where while they're taking this Passover meal together, where Jesus, talking with his disciples, he talks about the coming kingdom of God. Verse 15 and 16 says, he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Verse 17 says, after taking the cup, he gave thanks, said, take this, divide it among you. Verse 18, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So why does Jesus keep, why does he keep talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, it's coming, it's coming. Why does he do this? I'll tell you why, because when we celebrate the Lord's uh, Supper, we're not only looking back to uh, sins forgiven, debts paid, wrath gone. Yeah, we're looking back to that. But we're, we're also looking ahead to what God has prepared for his people. One author wrote this. He wrote, the Lord's Supper is an appetizer, an appetizer for the feast that will commence on the day when Christ reunites heaven and earth. It's this, this is a foretaste. This is an appetizer. And you know, appetizers are are designed to do what? An appetizer is designed to make you hungry for more. 
It's like when you go to Costco, right? They're giving out those little samples, right? You know, why, why, why do they give out those samples? Are they so generous at Costco? No. They know if you get a little taste, you'll hunger for more. You'll buy more. You weren't even thinking about artichoke dip, right? Until you put some in your mouth. You, you weren't even thinking about chicken pot stickers until you, until you tasted one. You said, oh, I want more. I want more. I want more. That's what the Lord's Supper is designed to do for us, just to make us hungry for Christ, to look ahead to this day. And I'm telling you, it's getting closer and closer. This day when God sends his son back for us. Do you know, do you know what will happen when God sends his son back here? Do you mind if I tell you? Here's, here's what will happen. The dead in Christ will rise. We will be reunited with loved ones whom we've lost to the grave. And I'm looking forward to that. There's some people I can't wait to give them a hug. Those, those hugs are waiting already. The dead in Christ will rise. The whole cosmos will be made new. Oh, man, don't you grieve over how this world is just ecologically being destroyed. God's going to restore everything, everything to the way it's supposed to be. The Bible says that we ourselves will be changed. It, it says in Philippians 3, Christ will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. No more sickness, no more aging, no more frailty, no more weakness. First, first John chapter 3 says we will be like Christ, like he was when he walked out of that grave. Revelation 21 says that here's also what's going to happen. That day Christ comes back, it says that God will wipe every tear, every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more mourning. There will be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. The old order of things will pass away. And listen, God will make everything new. And this table points ahead, just reminds us, little taste, little taste to make us hungry for that. And so that's why we need this table. You know why, that, you know why that's important? You know why that's important? Because life is hard, isn't it? Some of you came here today just weighed down with fear because scary things happen in this life or worry because unpredictable things happen in this life. Or maybe you came here today with a broken heart because sad things happen in this life. And, and at this table, we're just reminded that these hard, scary, sad things will not last forever. They won't last forever. He's coming. It's coming. The kingdom is coming. The, the table's already being set. The great celebration banquet of Jesus. I mean, it's already, they're already setting the table. It's coming soon. So, Psalm, Psalm 30 verse 5 says, weeping may endure for a night. Some of you maybe were weeping last night. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. 
Second Corinthians 4 says our, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This, this table just gives you a little glimpse of the unseen, eternal. So that's why this is a meal to remember. That's why this is a meal, this is a meal you don't want to miss, right? For 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 26, here's what Paul said. He said this to, to Christian churches. He said, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Did you catch that? You proclaim his death. You're looking back on what God has done until he comes. You're looking ahead to what will God will do. And so for, the, uh, for those who know Jesus, both looking back and looking ahead, that bring us joy. Amen? So would you pray with me? Our Lord Jesus, we thank you for this, this meal because this points us to you. We participate in all that you've done for us already through your death and resurrection. We participate in that and we anticipate what you will do when you come back and you are coming soon. So I, I pray that you would grant to every one of us that the quality of faith, simple trust in you, that makes this meal important. I, I pray that if there's anyone here today who hasn't yet come to the place where they begin to trust you as their Savior, that today would be the day you just give them that gift of faith. Maybe they've never been able to trust you before. Give them that gift of faith today. And Jesus, for those of us who know you, I, I, I pray that you would once again restore the joy of your salvation to us. Remind us that we have a loving Savior. We belong to him. He is coming for us. Give us your joy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.